You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So instead, we're going to have someone else say it. Because for some reason, when a random person talks about how great something is in a commercial, it's more believable. I saved with a Progressive Home and Auto Bundle. And there you have it. I mean, I'm not sure why she's more believable than me, but either way, you get the point about the saving. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hey, this is Bryant Arnold, also known as Dragon from Skinwalker Ranch, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. As always, my name is Andy. Got a bit of a cold, not going to lie, here in the UK at the moment. It's not coronavirus, I don't think, uh, but yeah. But I've still managed to get the show out for you and I've just finished recording a couple of interviews this evening which will be out in the coming days and weeks as well folks. So October is going to be a busy month for the podcast. Thank you for the feedback on the Simeon Hine episode that has been really well received and it was an absolute pleasure to talk to Simeon and he will be back on the podcast very very soon hopefully. The show today has had to be split into two parts. It is that good, I promise you. I've sent out the the show itself to Dan, who I like to put the feelers out on first to see what he thought of it, and he was raving about it. So part one with Chase Klutzka is going to be the show you're listening to right now, and I'm going to talk with Chase about her background in ufology, how she got involved, some of her first experiences, of which you will want to hear about her first experience uh, out uh, with uh, MUFON as an investigator and what she came across in the middle of a field. Do not go anywhere for that one. Um, so also Chase's thoughts on what is going on with the phenomenon. Uh, more recent experiences worth working famously with the Bledsoe's, Chris Bledsoe and family, and also during her time working in forensics, what are some of the most inter- interesting pieces that Chase herself has worked on? Part two is your listener questions and it turned into a bit of a Chase Klutzka AMA. That's an ask me anything for anyone not familiar with the Reddit stuff. Um, Chase answered all your questions. That includes potential abduction experiences, her thoughts on the political climate in Washington and the stigma and a whole lot more as well. That'll be available from next week on the main feed for free. It always is, folks. However, as a thank you, if you head over to patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast. If you're a Patreon already, you'll have access to that part two this weekend. Or if you sign up on any level, you'll get access to the show as an early access exclusive. So that's just a thank you from me. That would be on the $1 and $5 level where you get a free set of stickers sent out too. The $10 level, remember, you get a t-shirt included. And the $25 level, huge thank you. But you get a Patreon exclusive hoodie as well. But again, folks, your listens are the main thing for the podcast to keep it going. So enjoy Part one, Chase Klutzka, here it comes. 
Have you ever looked up to the skies and seen something you can't explain? Or walked deep in the forest and sensed something watching you? Do you believe in an afterlife or a hidden veil that can communicate with the living? Then you need Shadows of Your Mind magazine. Download all issues completely free at shadowsmagazine.co.uk Shadows of Your Mind, where your search for the answers begins. Folks, coming back from that message for the awesome Shadows of Your Mind magazine, I have a guest who will actually be appearing in Shadows of Your Mind magazine next week in an interview. That'll no doubt be in the the next issue, released probably around the end of October. No pressure, Dave, on the magazine for that one. Um, But when I announced this guest on Twitter, I got a deluge of questions on a variety of different subjects. A few people actually asked if it was going to be an AMA. That's an Ask Me Anything, if you're not one of the cool kids out there. Uh, Very popular on Reddit these days and that allowed me to really shape the show so a lot of this show um at the behest of the guest as well is going to be based on your questions after a little bit of background um, so i'd like to welcome researcher author forensic investigator former dod employee lobbyist among many many things uh, i've got chase kloetska on the show chase how are you doing this evening I am doing great, and thank you so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. You know I love the young guns. As you were just saying, yeah. Um, I mean, at 34, it's like, God, it's it's rare I get referred to as young these days. But no, I'll, I'll totally take that. And um, again, people like yourself have been involved in this field now for, you know, I don't like to put an age on it, but for so long and done a lot of amazing work. Um, it's great for me to get to speak to people like yourself, so I really appreciate it. Um, like I said, Chase, I, this is the most... A number of questions I've ever had for a guest so far on the podcast and I've had some great names and some great people and I didn't give people a whole lot of notice for you coming on either so to get the volume of questions I got I was I was very excited and normally I would run through and do my own I, I would never label myself as a researcher I, I am not a researcher okay I'm too lazy to be a researcher ask anyone who knows me um, but what I will do is ask a lot of questions but my listeners done it for me on this one and the questions were amazing. So really it's almost more of a chase AMA, uh, which I'm really excited to hear a lot of your answers to and we'll obviously follow up on. Before- I love it too. I really love it. Um, you know, especially the, the questions. And when we do the AMA, it, you get the smartest questions sometimes from the group I love anyway. So let's go. Yeah, the, the the questions were good. There was nothing that I felt I had to take out that I was like, no, I can't ask her that. Um, but listen, uh, before that, I've got to discuss your uh, your background. It is extensive in the field of ufology. So what was your first involvement with UFO or UAPs growing up? Yeah, I think what sparked the interest in UFOs was a book by Eric Von Daniken, Chariots of the God. And yes, I'm old and grumpy. And like, it was way back and I was homesick. So, you know, my stepmother handed me this book and I'm like, yeah, it's religious. You talk about God. Then after, you know, Peyton or how many times can you count the ceiling tiles that I just decided to pick it up. And I was stuck. First, I didn't know you could question things like biblical context or interpretation. I kind of, I, I was blown away by it I completely at that moment was hooked into trying to find the answers or helping the people with experiences. 
I mean, that's a, that's a pretty famous book to to quote. And anyone who knows Ancient Aliens, I'm sure you've appeared on before, is Chariots of the Gods is referred to constantly. And it's a book that spawned a lot of other books and spin-offs and debates. And like you say, something I'm not religious in the slightest. I know a lot of the listeners are, and that's, again, up to, to people to have their own views. But like, it was one of the first texts, like you say, that really allowed you to question. So here's the Bible, and let's just say this is true. What about this interpretation of it? And that's a really fascinating thing to think about, especially at a young age, and that's that's what got you into it, yeah. Yeah, I was 16 years old. So, you know, that was a big deal for me. I, I think the thing that shocked me the most was they were not only smart questions, but they were questions I may have asked. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you hear about Moses 40 years in the desert. I kind of think sometimes there's always a chase in the group that after about three years, I would have said, hey, Mo, can I see that map for a minute? <laughs> right? <laughs> So I loved it when I saw that. I thought it was great. It was a great book, and that started everything about my passion. Yeah, I love context and knowing a bit more. And, you know, you've always got to ask that extra question and find out, you know, where are we going? And that that's a great thing about that book that got a lot of people into the subject, especially, you know, when it was written. And it's something that stands up even now. And that's why it's constantly reprinted, republished and updated as well. Did you have any early experiences or sightings? So you're saying you were 16 when you got into this book, but take me back to then. Uh, it wasn't until, you know, I really put full time into ufology and in UFO investigations. And truthfully, they are, you have to get in the field. You have to put boots and sciences. And the more you do it, the better your chances are of running into something. I've had a few of them. Actually, um, I had one that absolutely changed my life. And it was really one second that did it. As crazy as that sounds, let me go. So <laughs> we were, uh, I got this call from a witness uh, or assignment from MUFON at the time. And he lived in Tennessee, like way in the woods of Tennessee. And he was reporting like these orbs and these orange orbs and certain things. And so I started talking to him and, and investigating and doing our, you know, questions, get a statement, you know, challenge questions, all of this. And then I, I was supposed to go out there. So he, he said, it happens all the time. So when you hear that, it's like, okay, all the time. So let me come out and check out all the time. And we had a time set, but that we had this huge flood between Memphis and um, Nashville. And it was a thousand year flood. It was epic. It was huge. So that kind of delayed things for a while, but I eventually got out there with an, and I'm kind of skipping through this quickly because it's a long story. Obviously it was a whole night, but I'll hit the details. So I, I ended up going out there um, when things started clearing up a little with another investigator, a MUFON investigator, and we pulled up in his driveway and he was just animated like, oh my gosh, it's already starting. Come here, let, let me show you. So we walked from his driveway to kind of like the edge of the driveway where you could see like the rest of his yard. And he pointed up and he's like, look at this. And I said, sure enough, is bringing little like dots in the sky. They're kind of rotating together and then they all split up and then they come back. But if you got sick of watching one of those, you turn to your right, there's another group. I was already freaking out. Like that's already more than I've ever seen before and witnessed myself. So I'm loving it. But of course I'm already on the usual suspects, satellites, you know, aircraft, you know, all these kind of things that I had already on my iPad. Right. So I'm just like eh, trying to go through those. 
Then he said, I have this huge cornfield. It will give us a panoramic view, and that's probably the best spot to see things. I'm like, let's go. So we jumped in. As he had this big old truck. <laughs> yeah, talking big old truck. And we jump in there, and we go down to this cornfield, and I'm kind of setting up my table once we get there. And we're almost in the middle. It, 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 I've never seen corn. I didn't even know cornfields were that big. I was just like, "You, this is all your corn? Like, it was huge. And it was surrounded by trees. So I'm setting up my equipment, and, you know, all of a sudden the witness is freaking out. Oh, my God, here it comes. Here it comes, Chase. This is what I wanted you to see. And I look up, and I see a white light coming, and it's actually moving. I don't see any aviation lights or, you know, the signatures on, you know, certain things we see. I'm looking for satellite kind of identification. But then two more pop in. And I'm like, holy crap, there's three of these, right? And then as it got closer, I could tell it's starting to block out stars. I'm like, it's a triangle. This is not three separate. It's one object with three lights. So... I'm trying to pick up my camera. I'm like an investigator. I'm like, it's right there. This is the gold. This is the golden ring. This is everything I need. Nothing's working. Oh my gosh. Right. My trifilm meter, my cameras, I had four cameras, different makes and models, and none of them was working. I'm so frustrated. I probably dropped the F bomb. <laughs> I'm going to say probably, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure I dropped the F bomb. Yeah. I'm like, like nothing's effing working you know i was just so frustrated because it's right there and that's that's what i need that's what i need anyway everything went offline nothing was working trifilmeter like nothing so we continue to watch this triangle go completely over our heads and go off into the distance i did happen to catch a couple decent pictures of it way off but it's still light in the sky it wasn't a light in the sky when we saw it so anyway, I'm freaking out. I'm like so happy already. I'm just like, woo, woo, woo. like this is so cool. And we were just joyous, actually. The witness is very happy because he isn't crazy. We saw the same thing he did. So, um, but I'm worried because my equipment failed. So I looked down, everything's back online. I really thought it was going to be a battery drain, which we hear a lot of with close encounters or craft or even paranormal experiences, Bigfoot reports have even shown this or yeah. alleged this. So I decided everything was back online. So it's not battery drain. I don't care. I'm going to change the batteries anyway. So I'm like the, my trifilm meter has little screws on the uh, battery compartment and I was unscrewing that. And all of a sudden I felt this, this feeling. And I said to the people in the field, does anyone else feel like you're being watched? And I said, and I don't mean from up here. And it was at that moment, that this panic, fear, fight or flight times a thousand physically punched me in my body and every cell I had was completely in terror, completely in terror. So I start, I turn around as, and I'm turning and I notice the witness does the same thing and we just start running. The other investigator was way ahead of us and she's running too. Nobody said, what's that? Nobody said anything about being scary. I just said being watched. And all of a sudden we're running. No one knows. I, I was just like, what? As I'm running, all I see is this light that's going left to right, left to right, left to right. And, and I couldn't take my eyes off that light. Turns out 
the witness had like one of those big halogen flashlights and it was as he's running it was it was his movement as he's running and then all of a sudden i just remember hitting something like i just ran into a wall and it was the witness and i heard him say what the f is that and in his left arm he had the flashlight and he completely just moved it over and it landed completely on this gray this little being and i was shocked I, I was so shocked that there was anything there. Next thing I know, we're running again. And we're running into, we get into his truck. Um, we pull out so fast, so fast. We caught a little air coming out of the cornfield. We get in his driveway. We all kind of tumble out. Nobody's saying anything. And I, I think I was the one that broke the ice. I'm just like, what, what just happened? Like, why did we, like, what, stop. Like everybody stopped. So I don't know when the fear left, but I know by the time we got to the driveway, it was gone. Um, and truthfully, there were things that we found out later. So as we investigate further, because we didn't discuss anything amongst ourselves, I knew we needed, the other investigator was walking down the driveway. She was calling the state director. Like we now become witnesses. We can't talk. So, but um, in 30 minutes, we're back in, the cornfield because I was freaking out. I saw a being. There's footprints, maybe trace the evidence. You know, that's what I do. That's my forte. That's what I'm really, really good at. Forensics. Let's grab some evidence. Physical evidence, trace evidence, doesn't matter. Direct, indirect, let's go. And you know, and that that was kind of how it worked that night. As I'm going home, I remember the feeling as I'm driving was BS. Nobody gets everything in one night. What was going on in that cornfield? And I didn't doubt what I saw. I didn't doubt what I had been through. What I did doubt was why everything, like I, I just, it was, it was really a contrast and really a struggle. And, but the one thing I can tell you is it happened. So no matter what my mind was trying to make of it, couldn't get past. That's exactly what happened. So, um, that's kind of where it is. I call it one second because when that light hit that being, that being never flinched. How do you go from pitch dark? This is a really dark cornfield. He's out in the boonies. There's no white pollute or light pollution at all. So I, I just, for me, it was like, what, why? Like what was going on? And so over the years, I've come up with two theories. One, we were not supposed to be there. Whatever that triangle, maybe with the being, maybe had to do out there, um, we weren't supposed to be there and we needed to leave so they could do their job. The second theory was, which breaks my heart and kills me, is that you hear from abductees that they, they can, like the feelings between them and you can be transferred. And all of a sudden it hit me. That terror was nothing like I've ever felt before. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It is it's fight or flight times a thousand. When I say every single cell in my body was in terror, that's exactly what it felt like. It was physical. So I kind of wonder what if that was the fear that little being felt seeing us in the field and we just kind of left, left him or we left him alone. Um, so there, there's a lot. I have more questions and answers, even though I've pretty much seen it all now, right? So to speak. But, um, it, you know, it's just, it was just a crazy night.
it was a crazy night. And um, there's still part of me that says, uh, what really happened out there? Like, I know what happened, but why? We were not supposed to be there. We didn't run away from a being. And I really need to make that clear. No one knew it was out there. None of us did. We ran straight to it, actually. That's how we were six feet from it. That being was not more than six feet from when we stopped. So there was no, like, I'm afraid of aliens, so I'm running. There was none of that at all. And this witness is a man's man. Let me tell you, he's a farmer. He's actually, the reason he's never come out is he's a national sports person. Everyone would know him right away. He didn't want to be the crazy you know, guy with the UFO thing going on. But um, I didn't know who he was when I first pulled up because I don't follow that sport. But the other <laughs> investigator I had was freaking out like, oh my God, do you know what this is? I'm like, no, not really. So what? I've been talking to him for a couple of weeks. Anyway, um, he's, when we first got into the truck and we first got into the cornfield, and this is kind of important, he pulled out this big old shotgun and put it in the back. And of course, I'm standing there almost stunned with the look on my face, like, what are you doing with that gun? You know, you got two girls out here in the cornfield. No one knows where we are. Uh Uh-oh, what did I just do? And he's like, Chase, don't worry. He says, we have some problem with some coyotes here. And the gun is in case, you know, they show up and we, we need to take care of ourselves. That's a big statement because what that tells you, these guys that far out in the woods, you don't call 911. You call the sheriff when it's all done. You take care of what's going on. This was not a man afraid to be out there in the dark. So him running, me running, and the other investigator, it was hive-minded. And we weren't supposed to be there. Well, that's all we've got time for this week on the podcast. So if I was leaving it there, I think people would be excited enough. That would that would be a great cliffhanger. I mean, like you say, that's what you would expect to potentially get over a career you know, and obviously you did spend a lot of time in MUFON and you held several prominent positions within MUFON as well. Um, obviously, the, the, the main thing I think anyone takes away from that is you, you've encountered a being. And I found it really interesting. You said that one of your theories is actually the the fear was from the being and not from you. So often... It breaks my heart. Oh my yeah. gosh, if that little being was feeling that, I, I have to tell you that fear is just... It wasn't even human almost. I've never said that before. I just don't know how to describe how severe that terror was. And to know if that little being was feeling like that because we were there breaks my heart. It's interesting though because so many people discuss and talk about the greys as being a species that are potentially soulless, um, have no conscious of their own, they're hive-minded, they're just there to do experiments, they're potentially clones. So you wouldn't think they would necessarily have that sort of feeling or, you know, anything sort of there. They're just, they're just empty biological entities, but you yeah, potentially think a, differently. Very, yeah. And that's a very smart observation because when I described what happened, you go from pitch dark to this halogen flashlight straight in his face. I say he, cause you know, a mother of boys and grandmother of most of boys. And yeah, it's just, he is everything, but you know, this old being, he never flinched. He didn't do this. I mean, there, you know, he didn't like back up and close, squint his eyes or, you know, he was completely stoic, almost machine. And I would say it was machine in its behavior. But if you could see his eyes, there's nothing, nothing mechanical. That that was a biological being, whether it was, you know, um, a hybrid or you know whatever they are. 
if, if they're the Cylons, you know, uh, whatever it is, like they're man-made or whatever. But um, I was shocked, shocked. And this was stuff that came out after. It's like, and I also remember his legs being so friggin' tiny. I remember that being a big thing that sat with me for a couple of weeks. They were so thin. It was like a twig trying to hold up a log. And of course, then I realized later it was the flashlight and the way it hit that being that it was shadowed. So it was a crazy night. Was there any fallout from that? So like you say, you become a witness, your your fellow investigator becomes a witness, the witness is now a witness to more activity that's gone on. What what was the kind of general fallout from that incident? I, we were all interviewed by, you know, state directors. At this point, you had, you know, uh, MUFON higher-ups all, like, all taking our statements. Um, they even asked me to speak to Calm Hellner, which I did, was, was Bigelow's right hand at the time. You know, and I, you know, I just, just told what happened. But I can tell you that the other witness, I don't know if it was this incident or something else. But what I do know is all of a sudden she just left her house one day, like, within a few weeks of this happening, left her husband, left her house, left all possessions, left everything, jumped in a car and just drove away. She was missing for a few weeks. And then her family found her living in a, a van with some band guy, you know, smoking weed all day. So I, you know, I just, I just feel horrible. It's why I don't mention her name either. It's kind of, um, I feel bad for her. It's, it's a pretty life-altering and life-changing experience for anyone to go through. So that's that's amazing. But thanks for sharing that. That I suppose that takes me on to a question that I would normally get to later, but given what we're going to discuss throughout this, I'll ask it now. So you, you've got there what you think is the, the classic triangular craft. You've got orbs flying about, potentially, if we're going to call them orbs. You've got other lights in the sky that may or may not be satellites, but probably aren't from what you're saying. And then you've got a, a being you've seen as well. Has from that point to now has what you think the whole phenomenon is changed uh, for example look i growing up especially when i was younger you've got aliens coming from another planet and a flying saucer and that would be really cool and that's what's happening to just in the last couple of years with like ttsa and other documentaries and just doing this podcast my opinions changed a lot in five months let alone you know 15 20 years to you've got right. interdimensional multi-dimensional it's a mix of different things some of it's our tech some of it's something else's tech and there's a whole mix and melting pot of things going on so yes. first question has your opinion changed of what's going on and what do you think is going on now I honestly believe that, you know, from everywhere I've been, from that experience forward, like, how did it get there? We didn't see it land. Like, there was no big, you know, landing or whatever. And I've often said, I'm on the record, I say this almost every show because it's so important. I don't believe through the evidence that we have so far that these crafts are coming here on a Red Bull and a full tank of gas. This is an interdimensional. They're using science we haven't, you know, even mastered yet let alone barely understand they're you know using um time and space they're folding it you know they're maneuvering through this now i do believe it's science-based we just haven't discovered how to do this yet whether it's wormholes or time travel or you know even the like time and space it's um but they're getting here in a different way which is why a lot of the um scientists or astrologers really debunk the whole alien, you know, even coming here anyway, 
because how many stars they have to transfer, but they ignore the other things we know are going on. We know the, these are real. They've been proven. This is done. We just don't know how to harness that and use it to our benefit yet, but we will. And I think it's just if you can comprehend and even think locally that there was a point on the earth where someone stood on a shore and looked across and saw another shore and thought, uh, we can never get across there. You know, we can't do that. And then, no, oh, someone makes a boat and tries it and pr- probably died the first couple of times people tried it. And then it's like, oh, we can't get even that much further. And then I wonder if there's anything on, on the other side of this. And then people crossed oceans and, and now we kind of fly about. And if, if you have to sit on a flight for five or six hours to get somewhere, it's too long. So like yeah. you say, it's just, it's just natural progression and things evolve and change. And no doubt we'll get there eventually, but how quickly we get there some people think we've already got that technology. Some people think it's it's discussed, and some of the questions I've got are are based on that as well. Um, so that was one of your first experiences. Fast forwarding, is that right? That that was one of your more your it, early yeah. experiences. Yeah, and you know, truthfully, I I'm like into UFOs. That's really my forte. But I've been out Bigfoot hunting. I've been out, you know, looking for. <laughs> You know, ghosts, I've been on plenty of ghost hunts, and it's I, I just love the mystery, honestly. And, you know, there's a camaraderie you can build with a small group of people when you investigate together, and that's really my favorite part. I think more and more the, the whole phenomenon, as people describe it now, is linked, though, isn't it? And I keep saying the phenomenon. You know, we've got a documentary out in two days' time uh, from James right. Fox, uh, which I've, I've actually been sent a link to watch an early screener for, and I've still not had the chance to do it yet because of the kids. Um <laughs> I, I've already ordered it anyway, and I would encourage anyone else. Well, actually, when this releases, it's going to have been out a few days, so there won't be any spoilers anyway. Um, but the phenomenon is is linked that when you talk about ghosts and demons and angels and, like you say, religions, UFOs, Bigfoot, people just seem to think more and more that these things are all connected and they're almost one and the same thing. Someone you know, Lou Elizondo, has talked about, you know, look at the data and right. Tom DeLong, Lou, all these different people have said that reality in the world and the universe is a much stranger and crazier place than we could possibly imagine. And that, I suppose that would that make sense. Yeah, we learned that from Bigelow too. You know, if we're just focused on flesh and blood, aliens or, you know, beings coming here, it's way bigger than that. And, you know, this is not only dimensional, it's, you know, there's so many great things out in the universe that we can discover. I'm not so sure the Star Trek was completely wrong. Different beings, some good, some bad, you know, all of this coming together. You know, you have Bigfoot because it looks like something we consider we're more intelligent than, you know, like a monkey or something. You know, we completely take down um, any kind of I don't know, like, you know, bias, like we have to go in without that bias of, you know, they're just animals or whatever. How do we know? We're not catching them. Maybe they're a little smarter than us if they exist. <laughs> and and people have certainly seen something, if, if not a seven, eight, nine foot ape walking about a woods, you know, there's something to it. And I'm taking out the, the costumes and the, the really bloody photos that don't really show anything. Right. Of and course. that's it. And it, it only takes one to show something real for it to be real. It doesn't matter about all the fakes and the hoaxes. I think it's Nick Pope who always says the critics have to be right every time. We just have to be right once. Yeah. And he's absolutely, and that's what we're all looking for. 
is that physical evidence. And that's really why I focused and even went and got my certification in forensic science and forensic collection is because that's where it's going. We have tens of thousands of lights in the sky and they're important. They really are for data. We have lots of people talking about their experiences, seeing things. It's very important for our data. But we have, we have to go after the evidence now. And that's why I love To The Stars Academy. These guys aren't playing. Like if it, and I'm the same way. If, if there's no physical or trace evidence, I will help them find another investigator. But that's not my thing. My thing is, you know, going after the big stuff now. It's, it's just how it is. And that's what I was going to get on to next before we even move on to listener questions is your background in forensics. Now, um, one of your more famous pieces of work was on the, you know, the star child skull and ultimately, you know, spoiler alert, but the conclusions were that this was more than likely a, a five-year-old human child with, with major deformities. But again, yeah. especially in 2020, people don't want to hear that because... No, they don't. And I didn't want to hear that. I wanted an alien. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm looking for a saucer and an alien. Like I really wanted this to be an alien, but I'm not going to lie and fudge the science behind it. You know, they, I could answer everything from the rebar in the skull to why the skull looked thicker. And it, it all came down to the age of the being. And that was proven. And Do, um, Nolan, you know, the uh, scientist, I'm like Gary Nolan, he came up with the same. I didn't even look at his report until I independently had done everything myself through a professional um, DNA lab that specialized in ancient remains. And when we were getting the same data at the end, it's a done deal, guys. You know, science doesn't care what we believe. They're going to put out what it is. They're going to put out results and we either take them or we don't. But a lot of people were very disappointed that that wasn't an alien. Me, probably most of all. And people probably forget that, that even though you're interested in the subject, you're not going to lie about it. And and this is yeah. where we've got this real mix at the minute of shows. So you look at something like Ancient Aliens, incredibly popular. However, the idea behind Ancient Aliens is everything was aliens. As, right. as George Sakalis is famous for now, it was aliens, the meme, which he, he loves as well. But everything wasn't aliens. And, and you, you've got to be able to say, Look, some things are human, some things are explainable, probably most things are explainable, but we're just looking for, like we said, those couple of things that are, aren't as explainable, that are more mysterious, are unidentified, you know, just to drop the name of another show. And it's, it's just trying to find that happy, happy medium, isn't it? That, you know, what is actually worth discussing and talking about if something's proven to be, it's just it's too good to be true and we've got those ufo videos and whatnot that just it might be real it might be fake we don't know but we can't discuss it anymore because we can't go any further but then we've got the stuff like the star child you know skull okay we can put that to bed it's not it's not alien it's human let's move on let's concentrate on other stuff and that's what that's what you've done absolutely and the owner who is um really part of the investigation along with um carrie um which is a partner that I have in the field reports, um, we repatriated those remains back to where his Haflo group is. So we actually found the Haflo group and repatriated his remains back to Mexico. That little kid has been through so much, so much drama. He's been mounted. He's been on display. He's been, you know, cut up in pieces. I mean, it's just, he's been 
put on the internet with a, a ball cap and a cigarette out of his it's just disgusting and these were even if it was a being or an alien it deserved more respect than what it got honestly and you know that's what we always tried to do is completely be above above board and when we found out his capital group was that's it there there's that's it it's the same dna we're working off of like you know where we come from and repatriated his remains and i give the owner of that a lot of credit because when she first asked me to help her find the truth about this there was a whole group about the star child committee bringing in tens of thousand dollars a year there you go right Yes, uh, and that's something we've discussed on the show before is the very, 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 very small amount of people who make a lot of money off of this tend to have the most extraordinary claims that you right. just can't prove. And it's it's almost religion and church-esque that you just have to put the faith in it that, no, no, the, you know, this this being has spoken to me in my dreams and from this star system and I've got, and it's just sort of, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. And that, do you know what? They might be true. And maybe one day that little being in that field that you saw will come out and tell us that, do you know what, Mr. X out there or, you know, Dr. Yeah. G, let's just say, is, is right. But we're not there yet. But listen, so you've talked about forensics. What are some of the more interesting things that you have looked at from a forensics point of view? Anything potentially left unexplained? or? Yeah, I, I have a couple medals that I had done. Um, Bob White, a very famous metal case or a physical evidence. Uh, this is a guy kind of driving through the desert, you know, in the uh, Vegas, that whole kind of area. And he sees this object and it's dropping what looks like molten metal. So he stops the car and he goes to look for it. And um, I helped test that piece of uh, metal, um, which still is undescribable. Like they still can't figure out. It isn't so much the, um, the alloys, it's how it was processed. And that's what we're finding with the Bismarck or the, you know, the one at, to the Star yes. Academy, yeah. formerly the Mount Health. It's like we're not finding all these exotic um, minerals or, or all these components. The universe is pretty much made of the same stuff is what we're learning. So, you know, even though the moon has more helium than the Earth, the Earth still has some helium. So mm -hmm. you know, all these components, what we're looking at right now is the process. Um, I've also had a little over 300 forensic samples of the elongated skulls in Peru. And, you know, just, I have soil samples, I have water samples, just like all over the place samples. What I also do though, is I take a little extra than I need for analysis. Because what I do is, you know, really learn from what happened with the police departments when, you know, DNA was really on the cusp. They, they really thought they had it. So they started saving rape kits and forensics of murders and things like this in hopes that in five, 10 years they could solve them. And that's exactly what happened. So even though I'm getting, you know, answers or I'm still keeping some samples back because what if our technology or our analytics are 10 times more important or powerful and we get a different result. So, you know, that's something I've, I've learned to do as well. I've got a lot of samples. If you were given an unlimited budget, laboratory, funding, whatever you wanted to call it, and time, is there any one piece that you would go to and you would you would spend that on? Yeah, I honestly I would I would capture the same team I'm working with now. Um, they're brilliant. Um, I'm the only ufologist in it. These are, you know, 
you know, I say retired commander, you know, all these other people, one's a, a lawyer for the United Nations. And, you know, to have that kind of um, mindset looking into this from not my point of view, but their point of view coming in and to really start getting this. And what I really need is a plane. I have all the equipment. I have all the forensics. I have a forensic kit that would make the sheriff's department jealous. And that funding comes from my very, very generous husband who supports my passion. And, uh, but at the same time, if, if I had unlimited funds, that's what I would do. I would take that team I'm working with. I would partner with To The Stars Academy. They're on it. These are the same people I'm working with. My Beltway group is the same type of people that To The Stars Academy has. It's why I have so much respect for them. You have government insiders and a dreamer. And the dreamer is Tom DeLong. Everyone else is a government person. They don't work in our world. Trust me, my husband's a retired, you know, commander from the United States Navy. They don't, they don't think like us. They're, they're not in our world. They're in a different one, which is very valuable at this point because we need that type of aptitude and diligence. Tom DeLong gets a lot of heat from a lot of people. He's very polarizing. And like I've said to a few different people and uh, and people that are also close with Lou, I imagine Tom DeLong is the type of person that regularly gets messages or phone calls from Chris Mellon or Lou Elizondo with a, Tom, delete that tweet. Tom, take that Instagram <laughs> post down. Tom, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> you are absolutely right. And I have to tell you that you know, people forget he's a dreamer. He's a rock star. This guy is, you know, he thinks artistically. And so when he puts some of this stuff out, he takes all this heat like he's an expert on aliens. It's not, we have to give him kind of a little break because he's a dreamer. He, he's an artist. You know, he's huge. And his heart is so big, I have to tell you that, you know, my grandson just turned 18 for his 18th birthday, you know, you know, I just, I called in a favor and my grandson is getting swag signed from Tom DeLong. This guy takes time out of his day to actually, and, and a poster from, you know, aliens, uh, I'm sorry, uh, angels, angels and airwaves. Yep. Yeah. And you know, to Ryan, you know, thanks for blah, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, Tom DeLong, this guy treated my grandson. We just wanted, like, thought it'd be great to give him an autograph, you know, something from Tom. Cause he's so huge. My grandson's a huge fan of him and he got so much more there's so much more like I, I can't even tell you how generous and how blown away I am but that's all these guys up there Lou Elizondo is one of the kindest most honorable um generous men I know he you know he he comes from the same arena that Pete and I worked in for over 30 years and I don't think I would do anything different to a Tom DeLong if you put myself in that arena with those type of people and let, let's be clear Tom's probably Tom knows more than I do about the subject from the people he hangs about with I don't doubt though that he's totally clued into what Lou knows Chris Mellon knows Hal Putoff knows and he probably knows bits and that's when he puts out these tweets and I would probably be doing the same that what if, what if there was this and there's probably bits yeah. there that are, are right and along a right track and there's maybe bits that are his opinion and they get melded together which, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, and when you think of uh, like Jacques Vallée and even Robert Bigelow, they're like, wait a minute guys, this is weirder than you think it is. And then Tom DeLonge comes out with something 
you might look at that like it might be a little Easter egg. And why would you do that? And that is because he's talked to people we'll never get a chance to. I'll never have a chance to talk to some of these people. This this rock star literally, for whatever reason, I believe it was this soft disclosure. But this rock star was brought in to some of the places we've been I would have killed to be in that room. And you know, it was him. And I'm just happy, I'm happy it's coming out. It, it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be Richard Dolan or Linda Moton Howell or you know my other friends like out there, Nick and you know, some of the guys. It, it needed to be the government guys. It needed to be that to be believed. Nobody's really listening to us but us. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that was yeah. always that was always going to be divisive, no matter who done it. I don't think there's any way this could this could now come out the way we are in 2020 with the world going to shit. Let's just put it that way, in yeah. so many different ways. That if the the classic UFO landed on the White House lawn, it's a fake alien invasion. It's blue beam. It's US yeah. tech. Those, those are default. It, it wouldn't matter right. if aliens came out. Exactly. And went, this is us. It's I mean, even the classic, again, I'm not religious, I'll use something that's not even in my field of expertise, but if Jesus came back, I could only imagine the crap he would get now, and he would be like, oh my God, this is this is what's happened in 2,000 years, and that that's what we've kind of turned into, so why not Tom DeLonge and why not aliens? But listen, um, right. and we've got some questions on that anyway. Getting into listener questions now the first one i won't name the listener who got in touch they did have a a back and forward with you on twitter saying they'd sent me some questions if they want to say it was them that's fine it was a really interesting when they got in touch with me as well via the dms to say look i would like you to speak to chase about this so one of the listeners got in touch and you've you famously worked with the bledsoes so chris bledsoe who has one of the most well-known experiencers probably on the planet because yes. it seems he and his family, um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know about Chris Bledsoe and his son, Ryan, and they've experienced orbs and beings and entities. And it just seems to happen on a regular basis. The whole house and family have something to them. What sort of work, before I ask the questions, have, have you done with the Bledsoe's and what's your experience been? Thank you. 
could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So we're going to sing it. We're singing words now. We'll even sing the business part. Save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. Now that's a commercial you'll remember, even if you don't remember the bundle and save with Progressive part. We're singing a commercial. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is the end of the jingle. A jingle about insurance. 